Amen. Thank you. Well, good word, Jerry. Thank you. It's good. Need to be reminded how how do we respond? It's easy here, right? Or maybe it's not easy here, but it's maybe a little easier when you're with or surrounded by people that that love you and love God with you. But when you're when you don't have all those people around, you've got to reach out and declare His name, begin to worship on your own. You've got to get in God's presence on your own time. So it's a good word, good reminder. Well, we're getting really close to finishing the book of Exodus here. So um, kind of unbelievable. We started in January, and we are. I'm now going to read from chapter 40, which is the last chapter. I'm not saying this is the last week, but uh, we are on the last chapter. Uh, so if you want to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 40, uh, there's some really amazing stuff here uh, that I think we need, to, we need to look into and see and how we can apply this to our lives. Because sometimes, you know, that's the thing. Is we read through some of these things in the Old Testament, and we're like, what in the world does this have to do with me? Right? I mean, you're like, oh, that's cool. You built a tabernacle. That's really, really exciting, fascinating. Thank you for telling me how long that is. Uh, I really wanted to know how wide that table was. Um, some of you that like details are like, oh, yeah, I did want to know how long that table was. Um, how many pieces of bread were on there? And how many lamps, how many candles were in the lampstand and all those things? Um, but everything, everything that God does is for a purpose. Everything that he did before Jesus, there was a purpose. And one of the main purposes was to point to Jesus. And so even in the setting up of the tabernacle, as this section is titled in my Bible, it says the setting up of the tabernacle. Uh, How thrilling is that, right? That doesn't sound thrilling, right? It sounds like you're getting your house ready for, uh, you know, have to clean your house and get it ready for a bunch of people to come over, right? Uh, nobody's thrilled about that, uh, except the few people that just love cleaning their house. Um, <laughs> all right, all right, thank you. So, Exodus 40 and verse 1, we're going to start there. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to open the word to us. Speak to us, even as we read it right now, God, that you would reveal something to us that we need today from you, in Jesus' name, Amen. So it says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Place the ark of the covenant law in it and shield the ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the ark of the covenant law and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering In front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Set up the courtyard around it and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And here's where you all are going, okay. (laughs) Very fascinating. Um, This gets a little more interesting here. It says, take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils. Consecrate the altar and it will be most holy. Anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate them. And then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent 
and wash them with water, then dress Aaron in the sacred garments, anoint him and consecrate him so that he, he may serve me as priest. Bring his sons and dress them in garments or tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father so they may serve me as priests. Their anointing will be to a priesthood that will continue throughout their generations. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. Okay? And so if you're wondering where the sermon is coming out, it's coming right, right from this, this section here. Uh, first of all, I want to show you something. If you want to put the picture up there, son. I know this is hard to read, uh, but we're going we're gonna to try to give you a visual picture. What button do I push? Yellow, thank you. Um, so this is this was the building. I just want to let, give you a quick rundown of it. So everything is representative of something that Jesus will do for us. The whole picture is pointing, number one, to what Jesus is going to do, and number two, what we are going to look like. And you're like, okay. So right here, what do we got? You have a gate. There's only one entrance. There's only one entrance to the presence of God. Okay, anybody see a parallel there? First thing that happens as you come in the temple is the lamb is sacrificed. So there's a, there's a shedding of blood for what? Forgiveness of sins. Then what happens next is they go to the wash basin, the bronze basin, and the priest, there's a washing that happens. So after your sins are taken away, guess what happens? There's cleansing that happens in our life. Next, you go into the holy place and there is the table of sh- showbread. So there's a table with, with 12 pieces of bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel and cups on there for the drink offerings. Guess what's on the table? Bread and wine. Anybody remember something else that happened with bread and wine later with Jesus? Yeah, okay. There's the candlestick, Right? And that is the light in the room. When Jesus shows up, what does he say? I'm the light of the world. Then there's the golden altar of incense. This is where they were not offering a sacrifice. It's where they were burning the incense, a sweet-smelling incense. In the New Testament, it says that the prayers of the saints, the prayers of God's people are like incense coming unto the Lord. So there's a beautiful picture there. And then what happens here, right, is in the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, there's the veil that, that kind of separates that, that. And only the high priest would go once a year, one time a year into the presence of God. And they would offer, they would take the blood of the lamb and they would put it on the, on the top of the, of the ark. There was the mercy seat on top with the angels and the mercy seat. It was called the mercy seat. And the priests would put the blood on there one time a year to make atonement for the sins. Now, in the New Testament, and we may break this down a little bit more next week, it says that Jesus went one time, once and for all. You see, with humans doing it, they had to keep going over and over again. If Jesus did not come in order for us to be forgiven of our sins we would have to continually be sacrificing animals. PETA would not be happy. (laughs) 
I know we're in West Texas, so nobody's worried about that. I understand that. So just making sure you're right. Hey, keep that up for just one second. Um, So there was a process to get to the presence of the Lord. Now, this whole thing right here, this whole traveling building was set up where? Do you know where it was in the camp? Anybody know where? Right in the middle. Exactly. Because God said, I want my presence and your connection and worship of me to be in the center of your life, to be in the center of all that happens. And so everybody else, all the tribes, they were arranged, all 12 of them, around this tabernacle because this was the center. This was the place where you met. This is what's important. This is worship. This is what you have to do to have a relationship with me. This is a covenant with me. And so everything was arranged around the center. And unfortunately, everybody didn't get to go in to the holiest place, right? Only the high priest and only once a year. Now, here's the interesting thing. In the New Testament, of course, we know everything changes, right? When Jesus dies, what happens? The veil is torn, where? From top to bottom. To represent that something from heaven was coming down and saying, now the, I mean, I don't know who was on on board that day, but those guys were, they were scared. (laughs) About to say something. Not I shouldn't say. Uh, <laughs> not a cuss word, just something I shouldn't say. Um, <laughs> they, they were, you've got to be super scared if the thing is, <laughs> and like, everybody's like, whose turn is it today? <laughs> or this year? Are you going in? <laughs> I'm out. I should have called in sick today. I knew it. I knew it. Of course, there's already been like an earthquake, and like it's been dark from 12 p. At noon to 3, and you're like, Hello, what's going on here? Um, everybody's freaking out. Creation is going crazy because Jesus, the, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, is, is giving His life. Man, everything's going to change. And so the veil is, is torn open, of course, and that's representing that everybody can enter into the presence of God. Now, and also that God is saying, I am now coming to you. But in the New Testament, it says this. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, says this. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple, or let me just put it this way, the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price Therefore, honor God with your bodies. See, in the New Testament, what happens is, guess what? Now you're the tabernacle. In your life, you've had the blood of Jesus put onto your life, right? He has covered you, and now you are forgiven. And guess what? The very presence of God comes and dwells within you. So you're now the dwelling place of God. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're the dwelling place of God. And Jesus said, guess what? Now, you're also, you're the light of the world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. But he also said, guess what? No, now you're the light of the world. 
A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Don't, don't take your light and put it under a bowl. Number one, guess what happens when you do that? The candle goes out. Again, I'm not trying to make some spiritual connotation with that. Just saying you don't cover it up unless you want to be put it out. We've now been washed. What does it say that we're washed by the water of the word? That our lives are continually, as we walk with Jesus, we're being, we're being purified. We're being sanctified. We're being transformed. We're being changed. Because we have the very presence of God. And He's at the center of my life now. Jesus, The presence of God is now at the center of my life. So everything I do is meant to center around Jesus. But sometimes what we've done is we've gone back to the old model, right? We've gone back to the old model. For those... I, Forgive me right now for those of you who've been here for 20 years. Is this God's house right here? No. This is a building that we use for the purposes of God. But this is not a church. This is just a building. What makes it special is the church comes here. The church gathers here. Because the church is the people. Why? Because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes we've turned... The worship of God in the Old Testament, where we come to just to worship Him, we come to a special place, we do special things, and then we get in the presence of God, right? And that's what, and we do, then we wait till next week and we do it again. And for super spiritual, we come in the middle of the week to do something, right? <laughs> I mean, you see how that, that picture can sometimes draw us into this, this Old Testament mindset where Place is about worship rather than person. Where worship is about ritual rather than relationship. And Jesus didn't tear the veil so that we could simply worship Him one day a week for one or two hours. He didn't tear the veil so that we could continually try to offer sacrifices to make God feel good about us, right? He's already made the sacrifice, so I'm not, I'm not here gathering with the people of God. I'm not gathered with the saints to make myself right with God. I don't think most of us are, but I just want to let you know that the, you're not any more right with God today because you showed up than you were yesterday. Because your rightness with God is based on your status as who are you in Jesus. Have you been changed? Have you been touched by God? Are you filled with the very Spirit of God? Then guess what? You're right with God. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ. He's, he's had mercy upon you. I love the picture of the mercy seat. I love the picture that it's called the mercy seat. That at the very presence of God, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. Does everybody remember what that was? It's like... First they had to build it, then, then God said, that's where I'm going to dwell. I'm going I'm to come down and just put my presence in this, in this place. But on top of it, I'm going to put something called the mercy seat because I, I want my, you to enter in and be able to participate with me. And so it's by my mercy that you come in. Isn't God merciful that He lets us come into His presence? But why would I choose not to? Why would I choose to stay on the outside looking in? Why would I not make Him the center of my life? Why would I not honor God with His temple? Just as a reminder, I know we all know we're getting a new body, right? But Jesus says, hey, right now, this one is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have to honor God with our bodies. With how we take care of ourselves. I'm not talking about just 
not just food and health and all those things, but I'm talking about all of it. That I, if I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, I mean, have you ever heard of people saying, don't do that in God's house, right? You, we tell our kids, right, sometimes, don't do that. You're in, you're in God's house. <laughs> you can't run around here because it's God's house. Or you can't do all this. I mean, most of, you know, the millennials got rid of that. So, um, <laughs> 42 and under, right? I don't know. <laughs> millennials are, y'all are getting old. <laughs> Some of you are getting old now. So, um, <clears throat> We got rid of all, but we, we had this idea of like that it was about place. But if I'm God's house and I don't want to do that in God's house. It changes the way I live because now now it's not just a, a place I have to be careful of. It's like, no, I, I'm in the dwelling place of God. I get to honor God with my mouth. I get to honor God with how I talk to people at the grocery store. I get to honor God with how I am interacting with people as I'm driving. I get to honor God with those that I work with. I get to honor God when I'm home with my family and nobody else is watching except my family. I get to honor God with every part of my body. Because I'm the, I'm the dwelling place of His presence. But we're also called priests in the New Testament. Anybody know that? 1 Peter 2.9 says this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So guess what? All this stuff it says about the priests, think about this. Have you, what, is, what, is, what was the reason for the anointing? Was to be set apart for a special purpose. And so God says now, hey, guess what? You're priests. In other words, there's two things. Number one, you get to minister to the Lord. One of the greatest things you can do as a child of the king is just minister to God. What does that mean? It means to worship Him. It means to lift up your heart to Him. It means to honor Him. It means to... Carry out your life as if you were had a responsibility, a job to carry out in relation to Jesus. Again, this is because you're already that. We don't do that so that we're right with God. We do that because we are right with God. Religion is this, that you have to do certain things so God accepts you. Relationship is this, because I am right with God, now I do these things. Now I honor God with my life. Now I honor God with my mouth. Now I honor God with my, with my purity, whatever it is. I honor God with my, you know, with my reactions. Because I am now set apart. And it's a beautiful picture here. It says that, that the priests are anointed and then they're clothed. You know, in the New Testament, it says that we have an anointing from the Holy One, and it says we are clothed with Christ, and it says we are clothed with power from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit. So we are, we are covered, that we have, we have special clothing that is given to us, spiritual clothing that, that, that covers our lives and transforms what we look like spiritually. Everybody knew who the priests were. Nobody was confused. 
Everybody knew because they were dressed a certain way. They looked a certain way. Anybody could pick them out. If they were, if they were dressed for their job, they're like, there, there he is right there. There are those, there he is. There's his sons. These are the ones. These are the priests. How much more amazing is it if someone could recognize the anointing and the hand of God and the consecration of God on my life where they go, you're one of his. You've got to be one of his. There's, I, I can tell it by the way you look. Not physically, because it's not physical anymore. It's spiritual. I can tell by, by the peace that you carry. I can tell by your, your love and your kindness. I can tell by your, your wisdom that you, you, you know things. Guess what? At your job, if you're a believer in Jesus, expect to have wisdom. Expect to have solutions to problems. Expect to know where to go. If, somebody, if nobody's like, what are we going to do now? You should have the wisdom of God. You have the very wisdom of heaven right there where you can speak into that and everybody can go, wow, why didn't I think of that? And they may just think you're a cool guy or a cool gal, but guess what? It's the anointing of God on your life to make a difference and to draw people into his presence, to make them hungry, to go, there's something about you. There's something about you. I have to understand what is it about you. It's the anointing of God, the presence of God, the, the setting apart. You know, it says that, that everything here, it says they would anoint it and then it was holy. What does holy mean? What does holy mean? Anybody know? Set apart. It means I'm saying this is for a special purpose. What does it say in 1 Peter 2.9? You're a holy nation. You're a people set apart for his possession. And it's a beautiful picture. See, the, the, in the Old Testament, look, we're, we're the, there's the tabernacle pointing to what Jesus is going to do, but it's also what we're going to become. And there's the priests that are showing what they had to do at that time, but also what we can become in terms of our relationship with God, our access to God, our influence for other people. I mean, think about that. Think about the influence of... You know, the high priest, of course, is Jesus, right? In the New Testament, it says that we have a great high priest. It, it helps us understand the whole book of Hebrews. Anybody ever read the book of Hebrews? It's not about coffee. Um, you know, it's, if you read it and you don't understand the Old Testament, you're going to be like, okay. <laughs> Lots of blood, man. <laughs> a lot of blood. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people they're talking about. They got, you know, Melchizedek and who's all these other people. Uh, but if you understand where God is coming from and his preparation, and there's also this. Uh, I'm taking you all the way back to the start of Exodus. What was happening with these people? They were brought out of slavery. They, they were brought out of a place. They were, they were in slavery for 450 plus years. Think about this. How old is, is the United States? I don't know, so you're going to have to help me. What was it 1776, we'll say, or, or, or 1787 for the cost? Almost 250 years. I like that. I like the rounding off. It's about 250 years. Almost double that time was how long they were slaves in Egypt. How much has our country changed in 250 years? Just a little bit. 
you know, have we probably maybe lost a little bit of what it was all about at the beginning, good or bad? I mean, there were some bad things too. There's plenty of good things. There's some bad things. Look, we've, it, there's been change. But think about that. Think about they went into Egypt with a small, with one family, with like, I think about 50 people, the family of Jacob and Joseph and all them. But for 450 years, they've been under the influence of someone else. And so it helps us understand when God brings them out, he says, I got to teach you again how to be in relationship with me. I got to I got to show you a different way. You know, even just a few chapters ago, uh, rather than offering for the tabernacle, what were they doing? They were offering all their jewelry. What? And they built a golden calf, right? What a transformation, though. Isn't that good that they this this offering was a good offering. The last one, when they took the first offering with the people, Aaron took the offering and said, we're going to make a calf. We're going to worship this golden thing. But God, in his mercy, gives him another chance. Moses intercedes, of course, and he, he says, look, no, we're, this time you're going to have an offering to build something that's going to bring you closer to me. And you, you get to participate in this. Even in the Old Testament, God is, he wants participation. He, want, he wants you to be a part of it. Why do you think he created us? He didn't need you. He wanted you. He didn't need you. He wanted you. He desires you. He, he wants to be close to you. And what happens at the end of this is so amazing. At the end of chapter 40, it says this in verse 34. It says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It says there was a, such a presence of God, they, they couldn't even go in. What happens in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit comes to His new tabernacles? It says they were filled. They were filled. And they were changed. And they were transformed. And they were overcome. And everybody who was around came looking to them because God said, I am reaching out to all people. And so this is just a reminder of who you are in Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus, then you have been set apart for the purposes of God. Your life is, is not pointless. It doesn't matter if it looks pointless to you. Your life matters. What you do matters. You can say, I don't have much going on. Well, what do you have going on? Who do you... I only have a few people in my life and it's not that great of a relationship. Guess what? You have an opportunity to influence them. Because you have the presence of God in you. That His power and His presence would, would fill you. And what, I think it's just a great picture to say, God, in the, in the New Testament it says, you, you need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, right? You, want, you need to ask the Lord to continue to fill you. You all ever pray that prayer in the morning? It's a good idea. Just let me tell you, before you go to school... Casey, you're like, Lord, first of all, oh, God, help me, because <laughs> I'm a teacher, okay? Pray for all the teachers. Remember that. Please do that. Uh, but fill me with the Holy Spirit. God, as I step into my workplace, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me, fill me freshly, oh, God, because if I don't do something from you... My life is pointless. I, I mean, we can all be nice people. Anybody can be nice for a couple hours. <laughs> but, oh God, I need you. I need something from you. 
I mean, think about the people in your life that are in need. The people that are around you that are there. There's hopelessness in their life. And guess what? They need somebody who's filled with the Holy Spirit, who's full of the presence of God to step into their life and step in and, and hope happens. Hope begins to be stirred. Uh, confusion starts to move away because there's clarity and there's wisdom and there's discernment. But just because you're there, because why? Because he's there. I still remember a sermon years ago uh, that an older pastor in, our, in, our, in, in the Foursquare denomination preached at, at, at the connection. He just said, he just said this. He was just encouraging us about the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he just says, wherever you are, he is. Wherever you are, he is. That whether you feel it or not, you don't have to get the, the Holy Spirit, hallelujahs, to go, is God's presence with me? No, you can believe it because he's already said, I'm going to never leave you. And I have promised to be with you. And I'm with you. And I'm inviting you. When I say, fill me, Holy Spirit, he's like, man, I just want to do it again. I just want to fill you again. I just, want to, I just want to give you a hug one more time again. But pray before you do. Start your day before you go do something. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. May I be full. May I be full of wisdom. May I be, may I be full of love. May I be full of kindness May I be full of, of discernment. May I be full of honor. May, be, may I be full of power. I mean, if somebody needs somebody powerful in their room that's got the power of God on their lives, then, then maybe you're it. Sometimes you can't wait for somebody else. You can't wait for the prayer team at church. Where's the prayer team? Guess what? You're the prayer team. Why? You're a priest. You have access to the presence of God. You have the presence of God, the anointing of God on you. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't even have to be a leader. You are a child of the King of Kings. And he has said, my presence will go with you. Be confident in his presence. But be aware. To me, that's my problem. Just sometimes being aware. Sometimes saying, okay, God, I, I want to be intentionally aware of your presence in what you're doing. Like I'm retired. I don't have much going on. Guess what? Who knows? What, what, you just have interaction with God. You're praying for your grandchildren. Guess what? That's holy. That's a holy moment right there. Because guess what? Us parents, we're running them to practice. We're running them to think. We're hardly, we're forgetting to pray because we're like, oh my gosh, I got all this stuff going on. I've got to make it through life. Thank you, grandparents, for those of you that got a little more time and you're praying. Some of y'all are still traveling all over and going to all the games too, Ronnie, right? So <clears throat> pray on the way, right? Uh, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. But his presence is with us. He's promised his presence. And so you can believe when you pray that prayer that something happens. Pray that prayer and believe that something is happening in your life when you invite the Holy Spirit to fill you freshly. So let's just do that right now. Just as, we, as we're coming to a close here. 
Holy Spirit, we just, we just thank you right now. Lord, I just declare over every single person, Lord, an openness to your presence. Lord, an openness to your spirit. Lord, sensitivity to your spirit right now. God, that we need to have you at the center of our lives. Lord, any of us who need to repent, and we, we've had you on the outside, not the inside. And what I mean by that is our focus has been, yeah, when I need you, I come to you, but you're not the center. You're not the focus. You're not the one who's in charge. You're not the first thought. You're not the first priority. So, God, we repent and we, we put you back in the place, in the center of the camp of our lives where your presence dwells, that what you, where you are is what matters most to us. And what you're doing matters most to us. What you say matters most to us. And we believe. God, and we invite you right now to continually freshly fill us right now. Lord, every single one of us who's in, who's in a job, Lord, who's in a workplace, God, and tomorrow we're going we're gonna to show up, and guess what? Everybody who's there, most of them are, are going to be the same. Most of them haven't changed. They might have even gotten worse over the weekend. But by your presence in us, because of the filling of the Holy Spirit, God, we are believing that we are not the same. That when we step inside that workplace, we step inside that classroom, we step inside that truck, whatever it is, where, where we, we step inside that office, that we are full of the Holy Spirit. And we expect you to do things. We expect things to happen. We expect God moments. It doesn't have to be the most amazing thing in the world, but maybe it will be. It can just be a kind word. God, maybe somebody needs prayer. Maybe somebody needs encouragement. Maybe someone just needs someone to be kind to them because their weekend was horrific. God, who knows? But you have sent us. Now we're the ones that are full of your presence. And we get to carry your presence to a people who are in need of God who are in need of Jesus, who need to know the goodness of God, who need to experience forgiveness, who need mercy in their lives. So we we just say right now, fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill me. You say that right where you're at. I hear some of you saying it. So let's just say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. And help me to remember to ask you to do that tomorrow. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us. We don't have to do it as a ritual, but we're doing it as a point of connection with you where we're acknowledging, Lord, I am walking with you today. I am living my life with you today. Whatever I do today is is connected to you, with you at the center. That everything I do can be an honor to you, even if it's if it's just my mundane day. It's just that I just have to do this. I'm going to do it and honor you. Oh, Lord, because I'm set apart for you and I belong to you. I've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with our families. When we're with our kids, when we're with our spouse. That we're giving off your presence to one another. Thank you, Lord. Lead us as we pray, God, that we would be like the incense altar where our life is continually offering you an offering of praise and honor. We're seeking you, even if we're not speaking, God, that our heart is turned towards you, where we're like, I'm, I'm still focused on you even when I'm doing something else, God. My heart belongs to you, and I'm, my, I'm, my life is turned towards you in everything that I do. Jesus, because you're worthy. 
You paid the price, but you're also worthy. You're the name above all names. You're the one that I need to declare in, in times of need. And so we, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for freshly encouraging us and filling us and, and leading us. Father, right now, I just, I just pray for every single one of us. If there's, if there's a person that you want to show us beforehand that we need to pray for and be ready to see what happens, to see what kind of word we can share with them, see if there's an opportunity to minister to them, I just pray that you show us right now. Just speak to us a name, show us their face, whatever it is right now. Holy Spirit, show us those even this week. If we need to be prepared, God, show us. Prepare us. Lord, we're, we're a people on mission. We're a people living with you, God. We're not, we're not just sitting around waiting for the next good thing that we hear about from somebody else. No, we're, we're seeking after you. We are living our lives with a purpose and honoring you. So we thank you, Lord. If you show us somebody, Lord, maybe it's later. We think of somebody we haven't thought of for a while. There's a reason for it. God, help us be sensitive, Holy Spirit what you're saying to us, what you're trying to communicate to us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We just bless you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, uh, if you need healing in your body, if you, if you do not know Jesus, if you just need someone to agree with you in prayer for anything, please come on up. We'll have some leaders up here, and we want to minister to you. We will pray as long as we need to. Uh, Ladies, remember tonight is 5.30. See Miss, Mrs. Sharon right over here about food at 5.30 down the hall tonight, ladies. Bless you all.